welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's April 20, 2015 and this is episode 468. Today we're going to explore a number of topics that have been plaguing artists for centuries and will probably continue to plague us for a few more millennia at least how to be creative when uninspired, finding your artistic genre and developing a style. We all, at some point, find it difficult to pick up the camera and start to do what we love to do. Despite having a passion for photography or any other creative pursuit for that matter, we sometimes lack inspiration or momentum to actually create or create to the quality or aesthetic level that we hope for our work. One of my students in the Arcanum recently mentioned that he was having trouble finding his muse. My answer to this was, in brief, that any time that you spend searching for your muse is wasted, because she'll come when she's good and ready and not a moment before. But if you just sit around waiting for your muse to show up, you could have a long wait on your hands. Five years ago, in episode 244, I talked about creation breeding creativity. I'd been frustrated because I wanted to go out and do some work, but was feeling uninspired. And it was at that point that I realised that the best way to get out of a creative slump is to start creating. Literally, right up until the point that I raised the camera to my eye and actually started to frame up some shots and work the scene in front of me, I'd felt deflated and not really interested in creating anything at all at that time. Once I started to shoot, though, actually being creative, before I knew it, my muse was by my side, leading my thoughts and refining my ideas. On that occasion, as is quite often the case, my compositions tightened and it all started to come together. But it doesn't always work like that. The higher you set your sights, the more difficult it can be to achieve your goals. It's not really fair on the muse though to expect her to complete your work for you once she's turned up to lend a hand. Sometimes we start to understand what it is that we want to create, But there are lots of things that factor in to how easy it will be for us to reach those goals. If you have not been doing photography for very long, you might lack the technical understanding of how to achieve the results that you're hoping to create. If that's the case, it's important to develop the ability to either investigate or at least take a good guess at how you can achieve a certain look. Even as you become more experienced, sometimes you might have a killer idea, but just cannot figure out how to pull it together. As Ira Glass points out in one of his talks about storytelling, there is often a gap between what we can conceive and what we're able to create. He says that you get into creative work because you have good taste, but for the first couple of years of making stuff, what you are making isn't that great. 
there's a gap between what you want to create driven by your taste and what you're actually capable of creating at that point in time. I'm paraphrasing, but he goes on to say that it's such a shame, but many people stop at that point and give in. To get past that phase though, and to start to create work that matches your taste, you have to do a huge volume of work. What we often don't realise here though, is that it's perfectly normal for this to take a while. We have to fight through this phase. You have to keep on reiterating on your ideas, refining the results with each iteration. The more you do something, the better you become at it. It can take years to get to the point where you can really make what you had envisioned, whether the muse is by your side or on top of a cloud sipping a cocktail while watching you squirm. Never in history has it been so easy to gain information and advice on how to reach our goals. The last 20 years have revolutionised how we study new pursuits. It's common now to just pick up a device or open a browser and search for just about any knowledge that we require. And the chances are that someone has already taken the time to put the information that you're looking for into a post of some sort. Maybe that's how you will end up finding this post. But just reading about a certain skill or technique will not make you a master at it. You have to put in the work and make it your own. That only comes through repetition, doing stuff again and again, over and over until it starts to become second nature. The culture of having everything at our fingertips can lead to the desire for shortcuts and quick fixes, and that will lead to disappointment. Case in point here, I'd like to explain the photograph that I've used to illustrate today's blog post, which you can find, by the way, at mbp.ac 468. The photograph in itself has little to do with this topic, other than that it came into being by me practicing what I'm preaching here. Last Friday, my wife was heading into Shinjuku here in Tokyo for an evening seminar. And I'd spent almost three full days doing maintenance on our website and cleaning up posts afterwards. I was feeling a bit deflated and knew that the only thing that was going to pick me up was a little shutter therapy, so I decided to go with her. Across from the building that my wife needed to visit is the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Building, or Tocho. In the past, I've photographed the circular wall around the courtyard there with my 14mm prime lens, but I'd been left wanting to go a little wider, which of course my new 11-24mm lens from Canon enables me to do. So that's what I took. My 5D Mark III, the 11-24mm lens and a tripod. I'd been there about 10 minutes, got the shots that I'd set out to get, but I felt that the scene needed a little something more. I was doing 30 second long exposures, so most of the human figures that walked through the scene were disappearing due to their movement. I had just started to think of going into the scene and standing there myself, or maybe sitting cross-legged in the middle in the foreground, when a few 
of my Google Plus friends arrived, totally by coincidence. After having a bit of a chat, I asked if they'd mind posing in the scene, so we did a couple of shots, still at 30 seconds, trying to keep as still as possible, and the result is this photograph. I had almost turned off and given up on my idea to include a human figure. We'd been chatting for 15 minutes or so when this idea popped into my head. We were starting to wind up the conversation and I started to think once again about sitting in the scene myself and then I connected the dots or my muse connected them for me. Either way, I absolutely love this photo and wanted to use it to show that we have to keep doing what we do. It keeps us sharp and open to the whispers of the muse or whatever you'd like to call it. It can take years still to get into a position where you will be able to repeat your newfound skills and processes consistently and during that time as you grow as an artist you'll not only start to achieve the goals that you were able to perceive but you'll start to develop new sensitivities and tastes. You'll come up with new, more ambitious ideas, and these put us right back into a very uncomfortable place where things don't flow as easily as they started to before, and the missing muse will make us lonely and desperate all over again. The cool thing is that the more you do this, the more confident you become in your process and you'll start to know that despite the failures and disappointment you will eventually create what you've been hoping to create. You just have to do the work, rinse and repeat until it comes together once again. I think the most vulnerable time for any creative person comes in the early years after you've fallen in love with a particular form of creativity be it photography, writing, oil painting or knitting, you can get very excited by the results of your early efforts because you don't realise at first that you are really just scratching the surface. Once you become proficient enough to realise that there are greater things to move on to, that's when you start to panic and feel disappointed. But if you really have fallen for your newfound passion, you will be able to do the work and put in the time required and it will lead to results. Armed with this information, you will hopefully learn not to fear the failures. It's all part of the process. I've spoken to people almost desperate to get through these early phases and I know that it can feel really bad. But really, if you love what you do so much that it can hurt that bad, then you have the passion required to do the work and make it through to where you will occasionally be able to close the taste gap and create something that you're truly proud of. The great thing about being really passionate about your craft is that it can help you to be prolific. And the more often you do this, the easier it is to maintain your state of flow it's as though you get to call the muse back before she really gets a chance to leave. When I'm on my photography tours or multi-day projects, it's always much easier to stay creative when you get up and do it every day. 
Sometimes you're tired and you don't necessarily feel like getting off the bus and starting to shoot again. But for both myself and the participants on my tours, we have a plan. We arrive at a place. The options are getting off the bus and start to do what we fundamentally love to do, or sit on the bus alone and watch everyone else leave to do what they love, what we love. Needless to say, the latter rarely happens. And the great thing about this is that as soon as the camera is raised to our eye, our creative juices start to flow again. And we often pick straight up where we left off the previous day. The technique, the creativity, it's all right there. The muse didn't get a chance to leave. Sometimes though, as hard as we try, it doesn't always come together as we'd hope. We just don't see it. We know that we have to continue to work hard and it will kick back in. But what do we do with the crap that we make in the meantime? As I mentioned in episode 438 on the evolution of the photographer, it's important to understand when what you create is not worthy of public eyes. It takes a lot of courage and commitment to abandon something that you're emotionally invested in, not to mention financially or your often lengthy time investment. I'm a strong believer though in us only being as good as the worst work we allow to represent us. Sure, it's okay to show less than stellar work as illustration or when you're trying to solicit advice on how you can become better. But when you show something and say, this is my work, it's what I do, such as in a portfolio, it should be the best work that you can do at this point even if you hope to go on to create even better work, and you always should, just be sure that what you show others really is your best work right now. When I rented a gallery and did my first solo show at the end of 2010, I was basically putting my stake in the ground. I had high hopes for the work that I was still to make, and I still do. But I wanted to say, this is me right now. This is the work that I was able to do while still employed in my old day job. At that time, of course, I was happy with the work. I was proud to show it. But at the same time, I knew that in a few years' time, I'd look back and wonder why I included at least some of the work that I did. And I do. And that's okay. You have to believe in what you're going to become, but don't let that stop you from putting your stake in the ground right now as you create your stepping stone masterpieces. Each of these achievements is another step in our own personal evolution as an artist. And even if you look back later and cringe, it's necessary to take us to the next level and forms an important part of our personal history. One fortunate byproduct of all of the work that we put in to, cre to being creative and finding inspiration is that being prolific also leads us to our photographic genre and in turn helps us to start to develop a style. These are also areas in which people seem to get impatient, but I truly believe that just as the muse walks the other way when we're sitting around wishing she'd show up, the only way to find your genre or develop your style is to shoot a lot. Finding your genre in many ways is the easier of these two aspects of photography because 
we're attracted to certain genres over others, and we only have a finite amount of time to dedicate to photography, so we prioritise that time according to our desires. If you have just three hours to head out with your camera, for example, you're going to think of your options, which might be to either head to the park and make some flower shots, or call a model friend and do a quick studio session, or go into town and do some street work. You can replace these examples with just about any other photographic genre, of course. The point is that you're going to prioritise your time in such a way that you'll automatically gravitate towards the sort of work that you're most passionate about. There is nothing stopping you from pursuing multiple genres either. You may find that you love to use small pockets of time to do street photography because you can do that closer to home, but when you get a full day or more, you head out into the hills to do some landscape or wildlife work. Multiple genres can coexist, and as time allows, I believe that your photography will benefit as a whole by doing as many types of photography as you can. One discipline will feed and inform the others. Even from within the genres that you try your hand at though, you will find yourself prioritising some types of photography over others, and this will lead you to hone in and specialise. You'll start to build a body of work in a small number of genres. Once again, within those genres you'll shoot more and more, and over time you'll start to see some patterns form in how you work. You'll find yourself using certain settings, certain compositional and processing techniques over others. The more you shoot though, the more you'll produce and then you'll start to gravitate further still towards certain areas of photography and processing. These are the beginnings of your style developing and what's more, I believe it's fine to have a number of sub-styles within your overall style. For example, I love to use shallow depth of field in my flowerscape images but for my landscape work, I generally go for much more depth of field, often aiming to get the entire scene in focus. I like to do long exposure landscapes, and quite often they're processed into black and white images. How we process certain types of image adds to our style. I often create high contrast black and white images of my landscapes, and even some flower photographs but my flowerscapes are generally left in glorious full colour. If colour is important in a landscape, I often use Colour Effects Pro to enhance the colour in the scene, but I pretty much never use that on my wildlife photography. It's definitely not just about processing and technique though. The more I shoot, I'm happy to hear from time to time that people can recognise my work because of a common sensibility between all of my types of work, be it a black and white flower, a full colour landscape, or the look on the face of a philosophical snow monkey. People generally recognise my work, and that means that I'm gradually establishing a style. If you want to develop a recognised style and be known for it quickly, you'd probably be more successful by sticking to just one style and one type of processing. 
I personally want to have more fun with my photography, so I work in a broader set of genres, but this really is up to the individual. It's pretty safe to say though, that the more you dilute your styles, the longer it's going to take for people to recognise them as yours. It's quite common as people start to get into photography to feel frustrated that you don't really know what type of photography you'd like to pursue. If you simply have a love for photography, but you don't know what to do with it, just shoot anything and everything that you can. Really, go crazy with it. Over time, you'll gain a large enough mass of photographs in one genre over another that gravity will kick in and pull you in a certain direction. Your heart will lead you. You'll find that some types of photography simply make you feel happier than others. But you might not learn which ones they are until you have spent enough time working in a few different genres. It's never been easier to learn of the possibilities though. We're surrounded by more photography today than in any other time in history. On the television, in magazines and of course everywhere on the internet. There are sites like 500px, Instagram, Flickr and many others where people share amazing photography every day. Go and take a look and listen to those flutters of excitement in your heart as you see certain types of photographs. Most sites have a way to favourite images and then display them in groups later. Use this and you'll see certain commonalities between the images that you select. This is where you'll want to start. If you need certain types of gear specific to that genre or the genres that excite you, try renting for a few trips before you go off and drop some real cash down for them. Try to confirm that you really want to invest your time in a genre before you invest any real money in it. Remember though, your initial results might not be as good as your taste will have you desire. If you know that you really want to pursue that genre and get good at it, you'll have to put in the time required to close that gap, as we mentioned earlier. One last thing that I'd like to encourage you to keep in mind as you gain your inspiration from the photography of others is that you don't have to try to be that person. It's fine to emulate a look, to dissect the process and help you learn your craft, but your final goal is to be you. Don't try to be someone else. Everyone else is already out there doing what they do, probably better than you will. Only you can be you, so do it well and be the best you that you can possibly be. Even if it takes many years to really start to feel comfortable in yourself and your work. Thanks very much for listening today. If you enjoy this podcast, please share a link with your friends. And if you don't already, please subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast program to ensure uninterrupted delivery. You can find me on Google+, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And links to everything that I'm up to are at the top of the martinbaileyphotography.com website. So do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye bye.